the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Joining me now, Jason Naughty from thestreet.com. Jason, did I get your last name about right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, very few do, so thank you. Perfect. Uh, with that said, tell us a little bit about your background. This is the first time you're on with us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've been a personal finance reporter with thestreet.com for about five years. Uh, my background before that was mostly in uh, newspaper. I was with uh, two publications in New Jersey before that, the Star-Ledger Newark and the uh, Jersey Journal in Jersey City, uh, with a small stint in uh, West Patterson at the uh, Herald News of uh, West Patterson. Um, uh, basically, uh, I had an editor about five years ago tell me that everything is money. So look for the five, uh, financial connection to people's lives in basically every task you try to do on a daily basis. And it's kind of a great way to approach personal finance uh, when you start to realize how even the most minute of business decisions affect what you're doing out there. Uh, just as a consumer, it's it really kind of it makes everything connect for you. I totally agree with that statement, and I use that on a regular basis on the show. For instance, if there's a terrible accident where a plane crashes, I'll say – those are people's incomes that are gone forever. Families needed those incomes. And I tie together everything back to money. So we're on the same page, which is good. Um, no, that, you, that's very good. Um, I mean, especially with what just happened in Napa this week. I know there's a, there are a lot of stories about how this is affecting the wine industry and everything. But when you bring it down to the most minute level, this is affecting people in very profound ways that go well beyond anything that's going on at a vintner uh, or at a uh, or at a winery, so it's it's great that you're doing this. Thank you. <laughs> you don't have to say thank you to me. Um, <laughs> I say thank you to you. You're my guest. With that said, uh, you've been taking a look at the consumer recently. What are you seeing? Uh, just basically, as a consumer, you're looking at, at I'm doing a story on Labor Day about this, and uh, you're seeing a lot of fear out there in the marketplace. I think you're st- still seeing people uh, clinging to their jobs, so kind of still afraid to spend. Uh, you look at that unemployment figure uh, go down to about 6.2%, but you see you're seeing a lot of people out of the workplace. You're seeing especially a lot of young workers out of the workplace, 16 through 19. Uh, that creates a bit of disenfranchisement. That's uh, not only not spending, but the belief that you're not making it up the ladder, that there are no opportunities for you. It creates kind of a dangerous situation. Uh, not only for business and not only for retail, which is bearing the front of it. We had the retail uh, earnings releases out this week, and what a mixed bag that was. Uh, but you're looking at retail workers and uh, 
people who are, you know, on flex schedules when they used to have straight part-time schedules or full-timers who are now part-time. Uh, it's, it, none of that makes for a great consumer environment. Uh, but this Labor Day weekend, you see uh, some of the retailers who had great earnings this week, uh, Lowe's Home Depot, for example. There's some of the few, there are some of the places that you're going to see some great activity this weekend. Uh, I mean, Labor Day weekend, you're looking at uh, appliance turnover, September, October, usually when that's happening. So you're going to see them uh, pushing out some of their old stock, bundling that together, trying to sell you an entire kitchen's worth of appliances at the, at the same time. And it's actually a good time for a deal. Uh, you're looking at uh, lawnmowers, for example, just kind of seasonal turnover, patio furniture. But these are stores that have seen uh, 4 to 7% same-store sale growth over the last uh, quarter or so, and uh, I've seen uh, growth rise over the last year or so. They're one of the, they're two of the chains that have kind of really gotten it, have kind of hitched not only pricing, but have hitched pricing to value, have made it uh, clear to the consumer that they're offering something a little more for the dollar. With that said, um, they say that this year's travel schedule is a little bit busier, that people are spending, but they're also spending more on credit because the wages haven't gone up. Um, have you seen any of that in your stories that you've been putting together that uh, it's hesitant spending, but again, it's hesitant spending even on credit? Well, it, you know, the, the spending on credit, I think, might be somewhat overblown. Once again, okay. when, you talk, when you're talking about uh, fear in the marketplace, you're talking about people who are spending on credit, not on what we're used to thinking about spending on credit. Think about the mid-2000s. You're thinking about, you know, maybe somebody who is paying off a SUV lease on a, on a credit card or something like that, or some sort of, like, studded, gaudy cell phone. No, uh, the spending on credit that you're seeing now is on essentials, and that's frightening. Uh, you're, you're seeing people backed up in debt on just household items, things that uh, grocery bills, uh, rent, things of that nature, and that's where it, it starts to whittle down because when you're putting those things on the credit card, then you're not doing some of that more conspicuous consumer spending, and that's what the retailers are kind of uh, edgy about. And that's what kind of hurt uh, places like Target. You look at Target kind of shift its uh, its focus toward those things, shift its focus toward grocery kind of lower-end items, and it really hurt the brand, and it made people shop their less as a result. Uh, I mean, a couple of things factored into that, but that was certainly one of them. So it's a big catch-22 now for retailers, and certainly for uh, especially middle-class consumers, this is kind of the obstacle that they're facing right now. They're, they're making this choice to you know, go into debt on things that, you know, perhaps before the recession, weren't so difficult to cover. What's interesting that you're bringing up, you keep you know, going back to Home Depot and Lowe's, or you know, I keep hearing that. And you brought up Target, and when I think Target, I think of back to school. You know, I go back to my childhood, and mom and dad sludged off and getting me everything at like a a Walmart or Kmart or some sort of big bundle store kind of thing. How's the back to school season going? Uh, I, you know, ask uh, Office Depot Incorporated. Uh, You look at like the the giant hanger-sized back to school stores that we've been used to over the last decade or so. They're hurting. I mean, uh, Office Depot and Office Max just merged. They're hacking off a couple hundred stores. 
uh, Steeples is dropping stores and shifting its focus uh, online. And this is all just kind of a very interesting development because you're seeing school districts now uh, place more of the burden onto uh, parents and families for school supplies. And I'm not just talking notebooks and pens and things like that, like actual supplies for around the school, things that your child is going to consume on a yearly basis that used to be covered by school districts. Um, so it, it's kind of odd that some of that is shifting away from these retailers and going to uh, kind of discount stores uh, where we're seeing a lot of activities at clearance stores now. Your uh, TJ Maxx, your Ross, your uh, even Nordstrom Rack, just going up the uh, chain a bit. Uh, once again, it comes back to value. If parents are going to be spending and spending more on clothing and essentials and these kind of things. They want something that's going to last, but they also want something that they're not going to have to pay through the nose for. And that's been kind of the sweet middle ground, where it's not that uh, fast fashion, that quickly disintegrating uh, kind of clothing product or uh, home product, and it's not quite the what the department store is offering. Uh, and that's where you're seeing a lot of gains lately. Speaking with Chris, um, sorry, Jason Naughty. You can find him on Twitter, Naughty Ham, N-O-T-T-E-H-A-M. You can find him at the street. A lot of articles written tied towards the consumers to the most comfortable cars under 30,000. Vinyls on the way back. You should buy at Home Depot or Lowe's on Labor Day. Lots of good stuff there. Anything else that you could throw out at me that you've recently been working at that's kind of interesting in two minutes or less? I you know what, uh, I hate to say it, but coming around to the weekend, uh, we've been doing a lot on uh, basically uh, Labor Day and looking at the consumer impact, uh, looking at the uh, labor impact. But uh, I, I think one of the things I've been hitting on that kind of made people feel really passionately is the release of the iPhone 6. And what I find interesting about this is we're at a point right now where, you know, you just mentioned it. Uh, you have people in debt on necessities, on what, what are considered the staples in life. And we're at a stage right now where the smartphone has become one of those staples, has become one of those things that's kind of an afterthought. You still have people out there who love their iPhone, who are very loyal sure. to the brand. But at the same time, it is now a very everyday item. I kind of equate it to a KitchenAid mixer, where it's you know a step above just a uh, regular-grade mixer, but it's still a mixer. It's still something that's just sitting there in the kitchen cabinet. This is just another appliance, basically. And that's an odd thing to think about when you think about uh, some of the uh, innovation that's come out of Apple and certainly out of the smartphone sector recently. I think all technologies like that it eventually kind of becomes a commodity, so maybe the Apple Watch will re-spark that consumerism that they uh, need to drive that stock higher. Uh, well, that, that's certainly... Uh, you know, that, that's certainly one option. <laughs> the other option is that, you know, people don't want to be Dick Tracy and just kind of go back to, <laughs> to their tablet and their smartphone and everything else. Uh, I'm really interested in where the wearables uh, market is going, and I think Apple may have something more in store than just simply the watch. Uh, I, I think that that will be worth keeping an eye on, especially uh, when you see what Nike and Under Armour are doing in actual wearables, like clothing with with uh, technological enhancements. I think you might see something out of Apple with that. Jason, thanks so much for coming on. I will post this on Twitter. I'll get, cut it up, put the audio there. I'll tweet it out to you and uh, let our audience know all about you. It's JasonNottyAtTheStreet.com. You can find him at, at 
N-O-T-T-E-H-A-M. Happy Labor Day, everyone. It's time to go out and shop and or go out on vacation one last time this summer. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Google. Great Google Mobile. They're extending a mobile advertising feature to the desktop. So work with this for a second. <clears throat> Typically we were clocking from desktop to mobile. Now we're going backwards, which is great. It tells you that Google's really innovating on the mobile side pretty well. So it's a mobile advertising feature that finds when you search, you know, different products that are near you. The ads that they're moving show what products are available nearby when you search for them, combining the key digital trend of local, mobile, and commerce, um, and throwing it back on the desktop. While Google once developed products first for PCs, then moved them to the wireless gadgets, more marketing tools now are being designed for the smartphone right out of the gate. Um, Mobile has a very, very big impact on local because we're all walking around with these things. You're in your car. You, you know, Google best restaurants or best steak, and boom, 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 three advertisements come up, and then like maybe a survey from some local newspaper. But it's the three local restaurants that are paying for that space, number one, two, three. So just moving that over to the desktop. It's kind of interesting how things are going backwards. I think that was the point of that story. I'm not quite sure. Uh, pending home sales bounced back in July. U.S. home buyers signed more contracts to buy existing homes in July, rebounding from a drop in June. The National Association of Realtors monthly pending home sales index rose 3.3% in July over June. Um, Still 2.1% below where it was last year at this time. So housing has slowed. This is a good number. This isn't a great number. It's a good number. U.S. growth rate, uh, U.S. growth races ahead. Not U.S. growth. Anyway, you see what I'm trying to do. The economy rebounded more strongly than initially thought in the second quarter. So we went from 4% to 4.2%. Um, it's a revision higher. We get, I think, one more revision before we call it said and done of what history is going to remember the second quarter as. Um, where does the story end? It's old news. BMW is unveiling a bulletproof car. For those of you who have to have everything in your car, now you can get a bulletproof car. Um, that can withstand AK-47 shots. So at this year's Moscow Motor Show, BMW hopes to win over security-conscious customers with the armored version of its X5 sport utility vehicle. Uh, what's interesting to note about this is murders and kidnappings are less common than they used to be in Russia, but they're still there. Um, 
So Germany's BMW introducing a more secure vehicle. It's eight cylinders, 450 horsepower. Um, it can be maneuvered safely on and off the road. It's about three times more expensive than the typical version. It's going to cost you about $180,000. Um, and if you want to get this vehicle bulletproofed, it's an extra $300,000. Um, it's total $300,000. So a $300,000 vehicle. For those of you who are worried, so I guess there are some, right? You know, certainly wouldn't be a story if there wasn't a reason to have that story. Um, other big stories of note: Ukraine is bracing for an invasion. Assaults are intensifying. Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko called an emergency security meeting to defend against what he called a de facto Russian incursion. Um, after separatists gained ground in intensified fighting, so there's a little bit of tension on that in the stock market. We essentially have, I don't know, maybe a four-day weekend, five-day weekend, depending on how you look at it. Technically, I guess it's a three-day weekend. But um, I think more and more people are just treating this as like, I'm going to take a little bit of risk off going into the long weekend. You can see it in the 10-year treasury. It's way crazy low. And that should make mortgage rates way crazy low. Um, we're down to 2.33%. We're not way down on the 10-year treasury to the point of record low mortgage rates being offered. But it's been pretty weak, pretty weak now um, since January. January, the 10-year treasury was at uh, 3%. And we're like, hey, the economy's improving. The stock market's doing great. Now the stock market's doing good, pretty good. It's having a good year, for sure. Um, but that drop is... That should open people's eyes because, again, it's at the year low on the 10-year treasury, telling you that risk is at its highest in the world. I probably don't say that enough. I should probably say that more. Uh, fear and risk directly tied towards 10-year treasury bond. Um, it's also tied towards the VIX. It's interesting to note um, markets barely budging lower, barely budging lower. Samsung has unveiled a smartwatch that can make phone calls. Yesterday it was released by one analyst that we're going to see the Apple iPhone 6 and the Apple iWatch. That's right, the watch debuted September 9th. So go get your abacus, do some math. Ten days, roughly. I don't have an abacus, so I need people to help me. Uh, Boomer Wealth has been dented by carrying mortgages longer into retirement. Um, I always say don't pay off your mortgage unless you're extremely rich, extremely poor, and or you're, you're near retirement. And then even then it has to become a question. My mom is pushing 80 and she's got a mortgage and it's okay. She's able to service it. But um, you know she's had to tap that home a couple times. Mortgage burning parties in the United States may be going the way of, 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 well, they're just going away. Growing number of Americans have mortgage debt when they retire. Um, 30%. Last year, 30% of people retiring at age 65 had mortgage debt. Back in 2001, it was 22%. The amount on the mortgages jumped up, too, from 43000 to 79000 And that dents your wealth. I'm not black.
views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black. Your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Let's talk a little financial planning with CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well. How about you? Doing well. Today on Bloomberg, there's an article by Victoria Stilwell with the title, Boomer Wealth Dented by Mortgages Poses U.S. Risk. I've talked a little bit about it. Is this something that worries you? Because my mom is pushing 80 and still has a mortgage. Yeah, well, yeah, the share of Americans 65 and older with mortgages rose 30%. So a 30% increase um, from 2011 over the last couple of years. It was you know, 22% in 2001. So it's, it's been an increase, and it's kind of alarming. And, and you think about it and say, okay, what what are the issues here? Because the the average amount owed went from 43000 in 2001 to $79,000. So not only are seniors unprepared for retirement, but their debt, um, their amount of debt that they have in their life is increasing, which tells me that they're planning to work longer, which also tells me it's bad for unemployment numbers, and it's going to make it tougher on uh, kids coming out of college because people are retiring at, you know, 65, they're probably going to work until they're 70. You know, the other thing, too, is that what's odd about the Bay Area uh, you know, being such a liberal area in many cases is that there's a lot of age discrimination, Rob. And you and I saw it, especially in 2007 when people were being laid off. Um, and those that went back to work in 2010, 11, 12, you know, the, the older people are having trouble getting the jobs. So if you go closer to retirement when you're supposed to be paying down your debt, and that's about the only time it's okay to pay off your mortgage, in my opinion, um, you know, if you end up in a position where you owe a lot of money on your home and you get kind of laid off or, or whatever it may be, it, it's a tough spot. It's um, not something that I'd recommend to increase your debt load if you get close to retirement. And on top of that, it means less for me. It means right. less to be inherited, and a lot of people are – they're not counting on inheritances, but let's put it this way. There's not a lot of negative associations with inheritances. So mom dies, I get a, a windfall. Woohoo! Now it looks like it's going to be a smaller windfall. Yeah, and what's really interesting about these numbers is that the debt is increasing where for the first time in the you know 22 years that I've been in the business, it's it, we run numbers and it's making sense to pay take extra cash that people aren't comfortable investing in the stock market or if they already have plenty of stocks and they already have plenty of bonds and they don't necessarily want more bonds because of the fear of rising rates. Well, the next best place is often to pay off the mortgage, yet 
the mortgages are increasing for this age group. And, you know, it's tough because people are, it costs about 20% more to retire in 2014 than it did in 2007 because interest rates on CDs and bonds are cut in half, which means seniors have less income, yet they're piling into more debt. So it's definitely a concern. Here's an odd question for you, and you may not know, and this is off topic big time, but um, airline miles. I just saw a headline that said the tax court sides of the IRS and tax treatment of frequent flyer miles issued by Citibank. Do we get taxed on the points that we get from our credit cards, whether they're um, cash, not, not cash that back? I'm aware of. Not, that I, okay. not that I'm aware of, but that is, that is interesting. It's, um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're looking for so many sources of revenue. Uh, yet they're not just redoing the tax code, which you know, right now we have all these inversion deals, um, everything from Medtronic to um, Burger King and Tim Horton, where companies are trying to get out of the U.S. because the tax structure is such garbage. That's a bigger source of revenue to fix that problem than concentrate on my 2% cash back for air miles or for you know cash back on spending. I mean, how stupid are politicians to go after these kind of things? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, for the record, um, Citibank's trying to save a little extra money, whereas American Express treats those miles like a rebate. Um, so it, it's it's tough doing your taxes in this day and age. Let's talk to the S&P 500, up nearly 200% since the March 2009 lows. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, um, you know, if something drops 50%, which we got close to that, it's got to get 100% rate of return to break even. So we're several years past that. Um, but now people are and they're thinking about, they, they went from doom and gloom to thinking the market's never going to recover to, oh, maybe I should retire early and my portfolio is doing well, the stock market's great. And again, I go back to that point that because interest rates are so low, it's really hurting people in retirement because if you have, you know, typically 40% of the portfolio, in many cases, defensive cash, CDs, bonds, things like that, interest rates are still cut in half from where they were in 2007, and they've gotten lower again recently because of global events. So, you know, let's say you're trying to calculate, hey, can I retire at 55 or 60? Well, number one, can you live on a budget? Have you tried it yet? Do you track your spending? you know exactly what you spend? And number two, just like any retirement issue, what are you going to do with yourself every day? Because if you have expensive hobbies, then you need to look at your budget. Where are you going to get your health care until you're 65 and get on Medicare? Have you really estimated what your taxes are? You might be looking at a large portfolio, but if it's all stuck in your 401k, that hasn't been taxed yet. So work Uncle Sam into that budget. And, you know, if you're going to retire at 55 and you can easily afford to live off 3% of your portfolio so that you can increase it for inflation later, it might work. But you have to have your budgeting and your tax forecast done very carefully and also realize when you're going to take Social Security, because for many, that would mean you'd want to wait till you're 70, so it continues to grow for you. Do you have any quick thoughts on, I'm, I'll say her name, but you could instantly forget it, Pamela Yellen. She has a book out there called Bank on Yourself, where she tells you to go buy a whole life insurance policy, and then you ha- pay yourself dividends. I got the recent email, and as much as I do try to convince people this is a bad idea, maybe a little support from you. Well, yeah, so... There's no way that I mean, dollar goes in there. If you have a dollar that comes home to put in life insurance, you only have 60 to 70 cents left over to put into that life insurance policy. And the idea is that they try to sell it to you that it creates tax-free income for the rest of your life. 
Well, they, they do that by taking loans against the policy. So if the policies underperform and the dividend rates get cut, the interest rates get cut, whatever you've taken out as quote-unquote tax-free income can be fully taxable. And so I spend a lot of time fixing these types of policies. When those types of policies, Rob, make sense are for ultra-high income earners that have already maxed out their 401k, they've already maxed out their Roth, they've got you know, five to ten years' worth of investments uh, saved up in after-tax accounts. They already own real estate, and they're looking for, for other places to store extra cash, and they're not going to find those types of good policies from the average insurance agent. There's certain companies and agents out there that specialize in ultra-high net worth, and they can make a lot of sense after you've built that financial base. But, you know, most of those things for, for most of America, 99.9% of the population, Stay away from permanent life insurance. It, it's a, it's, it tends to be a massive disappointment. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He's going to be doing an event coming up called Bay Area Wealth Strategies with myself September 11th in San Jose, talking about buying real estate in the Bay Area. It's very challenging. I mean, we are a unique part of the world because it's so expensive to live here. Even in the cheap parts, it's expensive. Um, real estate versus stocks, capital gains, managing state and federal taxes, stock option planning. Stock option planning is a big one. You don't want to mess that one up. You can find out more about the event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. She's a silver lining, lone ranger riding through an open space. In my mind when she's not right there beside me, I go. Market's struggling with the whole Russia-Ukraine spat as it seems to be widening heading into the weekend. Long weekend. I know you're saying it's Thursday. What are you talking about weekend? I know. Um, With that said, Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko called an emergency security meeting to defend what he is calling an incursion by Russia. France and Germany have threatened Vladimir Putin with tougher sanctions after pro-Russian insurgents widened their attacks, taking several towns outside their strongholds of Donetsk and Luhansk. The invasion by Putin of the regular Russian army is it's pretty interesting. Um, so the market's a little freaked out by it. How freaked out? Not wildly. Um, again, we're near all-time highs. Joining me now... Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's a mortgage lender. He's my mortgage lender. I've done a couple refis with him. I've done a couple new purchases with him. So I know that it's a process, and it's good to have someone that you trust. He's someone that I trust. Therefore, you can trust. Hi, Rob. Tony Mendez, you're here to talk today home improvement. 
Um, I bought a house that needed some work. Um, I fortunately had cash to fund it. Um, I don't think the work was worth it, but some people like to improve their homes. I myself would go with a gold toilet because sitting on a gold toilet is all that and more. But new kitchen to me, eh. person that buys my house is going to say, I don't like that tile. Yeah. So I'm, I'm cautious about it, my and, home improvements. It, but you might be wrong that there is a percentage, uh, 92%, as a matter of fact, saying that um, kitchens are get the best return on your investment. Kitchen remodels. See, I disagree with right that. Right up there with siding. Siding is a, a little bit higher, 92.8%. Yeah. But small kitchen remodels, they're, they're specific at that small remodels always will give you a better return than big remodels because big remodels usually mean that you're putting more of your personal taste into it. Right. When remodels should be the basics, bathrooms, you know, new tiles on the floor, nothing fancy, no fancy gold toilets. Okay, let's stay with kitchen for a second. Kitchen. So, like, a new gas stove is better than an electric stove. That's right. an improvement that I can back. Upgrades, yes. Right. New refrigerator that saves energy is something that people instantly say, that's a nice-looking refrigerator. Right. Whereas tile and cabinets in particular, sometimes they change. You know, the taste today is not the same taste in 10 years. So you tend not to get the best bang for your buck. Bathroom, I hear, is the best bang for your buck. If you do like a spa shower, people love spa showers. Um, so spend a little money there versus uh Well, there's two things that, cabinets. that people look at. Tell me. There's uh, what they call your curb appeal. Okay. And that's why siding is the, one of the number one spots as far as the kind of improvements that you do. Okay. Uh, and then the kitchen. That's because of the family-oriented part of a single-family residence, and that would be the people who cook in the house. We'll go right to the kitchen because that's the main activity, and you're going to get more sight inside the, uh, the property. Okay. So those two reasons um, is why those are on the top. Anything else, uh, like replacing roofs and windows, they get a lot less return. Uh, lower than 80% per dollar. So you have to be really careful about what you do. Um, and there's two reasons why people would do a remodel on their house. One, for necessity. And two, to resell their house and probably get some more money on their return. Um, if I was to resell a house, if I was for the purpose of reselling a house, I would do very little improvements that were not a necessity. Okay. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's, there's, when you sell your house, for example, your house, I've been to your house, you don't need to do much to it. All right. Paint. Maybe a new rug in one of the rooms. But you don't have to do any kind of kitchen remodel or any bathroom remodel. Th leave that up to the new buyer, especially in this kind of market. We're in a seller's market right now. Homes that are in distress are getting top dollar. And I think, it's a b I think that if you're competing against 20, 30 other homes, yeah, maybe you want to spruce it up and maybe do some special things, but not in this type of market when we're limited in the inventory. You know what I would do if I wanted to improve my home value? I would build an addition. I want to do a teardown. I try to get some square footage on a second level. Uh, maybe tear down half of my house and build up. I, I'd be really questionable about that because I know. that's even a more expensive type of upgrade, and you're putting more personal taste into the design. Well, and you may be eliminating more, more unless you're, you know exactly what these people want. Most homes in the Bay Area sell on one thing, square footage. The no, I would disagree. Really? I would say location. Well, I think we're saying the same term. In your location, you're going to compare square footage my house to the house next to me. That's how companies like Zillow work. Right. They see you have a 1,600-square-foot house. They see what the 2,000-square-foot house sold for, and then they factor in 25% less house. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so square footage is a large part of the comparables that come in to set the price of your home. So to me, if you can add square footage at the right rate, so figure out what your homes are going for in your neighborhood, and then take that extra square footage you're going to add and multiply it. And if you can get it in that ballpark, you yeah, as long as you don't go too big, because you never, you don't want to be the biggest house on your street. I agree. Because you're going to fall harder than anybody else. Your low, the smaller homes will dictate the price in your neighborhood as opposed to the higher, the bigger homes. Anything else that we need to know about this concept of improving your home? You know, it's. It, I think it's all about personal taste. I think where people make the biggest mistake is they get the money from the wrong place. They okay. they they get too many home equity lines of credit and they open it for too much and they never pay it back. Yep. Um, they think that uh, improving twenty five thirty thousand dollar kitchen uh, is like, oh, we need it, but we'll just take it out of the house. They still got to make payments on it. Yeah, I don't look at home equity line of credit as anything other than your piggy bank that you're taking from. Um, I would only take a home equity line of credit if you could, if you know that you can pay it back in a certain period of time. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Yesterday I did a story about millennials and how they like to use debit over credit. Maybe that's a fear of having too much college debt. Maybe it's a, you know, a job market scenario, but it's still the wrong way to actually go about spending in society. Credit cards offer you a lot greater uh, protections uh, at a time of greater security risks than debit cards do. So I don't use my debit card in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's actually in a cabinet, so I would be up the creek, so to speak, if I had to have it. Fortunately, I don't. Apple's iWatch is going to be a loser. In large part, I know you're saying it's not even out. A lot of the things that we want from it don't exist. So we know there's going to be a healthcare app. We think there may be some sort of way to listen to blood and predict heart attacks, and the first one, you know, a lot of the healthcare data that you'll be able to collect, like blood pressure and weight and, you know, activity and sleep issues, we don't really have anything to analyze that data yet. We don't really have a way to store that data that most people know about yet. So the hype's pretty high here. And if we had a, a wristband that could monitor blood pressure really effectively, um, Someone would be selling it other than Apple at this point in time. They would have like made a $20,000 version of it or something. So we're hoping and we're hyping a lot. Just worthy of noting. I'm Rob Black. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, 
I think one of the more interesting things that we see in headlines on a regular basis is the iWatch. And it's just talking about how it's going to be a lot of hype. And we're kind of prepared mentally for a massive amount of product to be introduced by Apple. Because they said at the beginning of this year, this is going to be the biggest year of product launches that we've ever had. And we haven't seen anything new. So September 9th is going to be a big day. And about a week before, they tend to send out a postcard to the media saying, coming up, you're invited to a big event. And, like, there may be a sundial on it. So we're like, oh, it's got to be a watch. Then it turns out to be the Apple sundial. It's like, oh, that was disappointing. Uh, Samsung panicked. They may have actually leaked a little bit because they have to get the story out faster than than Apple does. So Apple's, you know, yesterday the report from Recode, John Peskowski, uh, he claimed the iWatch is going to arrive September 9th. People originally thought that would be the iPhone 6. It still could be both. It still could be neither. Um, but LG and Samsung suddenly started panicking yesterday and coming up with really fast, okay, here's a new device. Here's a new device. Um, so LG's got a new smartwatch coming out. The watch features a circular screen, gyroscope, barometer, heart rate monitor. It's going to run on Google's new Android Wear software. Um, Samsung decided to weigh in as well. They've expected to launch its new smartphone uh, a couple weeks from now, and they've, you know, they're showing their new product. So Samsung's is looking pretty good. The device features a larger screen than previous four smartwatches announced by Samsung. It's got a nice curved glass to it. Um, so LG and Samsung have been rivals for 50 years, and they've clashed over patents and spying and all sorts of things. But as Apple steps forward, they are as well, and they don't want to be left out of this scenario. One of the ones that I found interesting, and again, it's just it's almost funny how fast Samsung and LG panic to get information out there about, oh yeah, oh yeah, if Apple's going to introduce a watch, well, this is our fifth watch, this is our fourth watch. Samsung also unveiled another product called the Gear Circle. It's a necklace that clasps around the user's neck, and when paired with the Samsung phone, it can let you listen to music, take calls, and give voice commands. We seem to be getting kind of silly. Just throwing it out there, we seem to be getting kind of silly. Um, as far as the wearables and, you know, people have come up with these ridiculous numbers of how many million wearables we'll be wearing in the next couple years. Like 19.2 million wearables will be sold in 2014, more than triple last year's. And, you know, I had a Nike Fitbit, and I've kind of been refusing to get other ones to wait to see what comes out this Christmas to see if anything's worth using. The Fitbit was cute. Um, it only lasted for about three months till it was designed as an athletic kind of wristband, and uh, it just didn't hold up this test of sweat. I know you're saying, Rob, the image of you sweaty is grossing me out. Please don't go there. <laughs> Thanks, people. Thanks for loving me. Apple's going to announce two new iPhone models on September 9th. We're expecting. Again, biggest product launch ever product lineup coming according to Eddie Q and he that was in May of this year and he said later this year we've got the best product pipeline that I've seen in my 25 years at Apple I believe the products we've got coming out are great um, and he said called it massive so for Apple we're looking for two phones one that's going to be 
um, smaller than most high-end phones today and one that is going to be much bigger than most high-end phones today. Um, so-called iWatch is going to debut on September 9th, we think. It's going to be heavily into health and fitness. We look for a refresh on the iPad Air and the iPad Mini, a giant iPad probably coming later, uh, early in 2015. Now, some inside of technology think that a 13-inch iPad is too big, that we don't need that. Um, we'll probably see a new MacBook with a sharper screen. Something with TV, and we keep hearing stories that they want to do it. Um, and Apple was pretty close to pulling off this revolutionary product with Time Warner, but then Comcast bought Time Warner maybe to block them. Maybe that's too much of a, you know, a demand. Throwing back out there one more time about Apple and this giant iPad, you know, there's been rumblings in the supply chain about it. Uh, a supersized tablet before Toshiba had one in 2002, it was too big. So why would Apple want to do it? iPad sales are in decline. So maybe try something new. iPad unit sales are down 9% on a year-over-year basis. The product isn't really mobile, so it's not breaking as much and being needed to be replaced. Um, so iPad sales have been pretty much so in the decline. Some people think iPad upgrade cycle isn't as frequent as iPhones. Um, and maybe this will be a bigger device that could get dropped a little bit more often. I know that sounds like a conspiracy theory. I don't believe in UFOs. I do believe in Sasquatch. And Sasquatch, to me, is just this really hairy dude that I once saw on the Jersey Shore. Uh, really, really hairy dude. Uh, the MacBook could be you know, tied towards productivity at your desk, a really big one. Um, the iPhone helps you, you know, go with fun apps, games, and social networks around. The iPad is just a big iPhone. So the theory is, you know, it doesn't really justify people spending an extra four or $500 just to use it. Um, it's part of the reason we've seen so many attempts recently at hybrid devices trying to merge, you know, the tablet and the laptop and things like that. They can't quite figure it out. You know, Microsoft Surface Pro is the best example of a hybrid. Since it was first introduced as Surface Pro 3, the tablet can replace your laptop. But in a snap, it could also be an iPad or a you know, um, tablet. I kept going with the word phablet. Um, so what could they do to make a 13-inch iPad more like, hey, I have to have it? Um, maybe, you know, running two screens side by side would be the idea. Try to introduce some split-screen multitasking. Um, apps are getting better. Um, you know, Apple CEO Tim Cook told the Wall Street Journal recently that he's able to do about 80% of his job on an iPad. And to me, eh, so can they reinvent the tablet as a productivity tool? Um, so we'll see. The best of a laptop and tablet all in one. We'll see. Again, it's going to be a big year for Apple and their product lineup. Taking a look at some you know, other stories today, applications for U.S. unemployment aid slipped to 298,000 rating. That's good. Um, any number under 400,000 is typically pretty good. Again, we have to add jobs, and we've been stubbornly slowly adding very, very slowly, but we're not firing, that's for sure. Uh, pending home sales bounce back in the month of July. Home builders signed more contracts to buy existing homes in July. Uh, the GDP number got revised a little bit higher. That was nice to see. 
BMW's come up with a bulletproof car that costs three hundred thousand um, dollars. Groupon has made a relationship with Snapchat. Snapchat recently got what's referred to as a ten billion dollar valuation slapped on it from investors poured money into it in rounds of financing. Snapchat texting app lets users send messages to friends that disappear within 10 seconds. It's been a bit of a, a phenomenon. In less than two years, the app has climbed near the top of Android and Apple app stores and lured more than 100 million users. Snapchat turned down a $3 billion offer from Facebook. Groupon's looking to piggyback on some of the momentum there. In the first half of 2014, Groupon boosted its marketing expenses by 36%, exceeding revenue of 25%. Snapchat still hasn't introduced ads, but it looks like the two could work well together. Groupon has, you know, how could they use Snapchat, uh, something that's known for disappearing messages? The first would be by sending disappearing snaps to followers with a web address in the message. Because Snapchat doesn't allow embedded links and messages, users have to manually type the address into a browser to check out a deal. The other method is what's called Snapchat Stories, which lets Groupon create a mashup of images on a web page that exists for 24 hours before going away. Um, You have to visit that page every day in order to avoid missing a promotion. Again, you probably have used Groupon once or twice. People under the age of 35 have used it hundreds of times. Whether it's their fitness classes that they sign up for, or lunch deals, dinner deals, whatever. Um, So Groupon, it's relevant. And I could see the idea of sending out a, you know, I could see signing up for getting a a deal from them that disappears after an hour or at some point of time. I think 10 seconds would be almost too crazy. Like, it's 12 o'clock. Am I going to get a message from Groupon to go to lunch? Am I going to get a message from Groupon? And then, like, that seems a little bit, but we'll see. It's kind of an interesting mashup the way businesses are trying to blend concepts and ideas together. Chipotle is building up some new businesses, one called Shop House, which is Asian, and the other Pizzeria Local, which is pizza. So trying to get that fresh food, local sourced, uh, not frozen angle not, you know, super processed foods. Uh, interesting to watch how Chipotle is taking on the market and winning so far. I'm Rob Black. In Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Trying to get you to retirement. I do retirement events. You can sign up for one or the other um, at robblack.com. I I like these events. I tend to put a lot of effort into them. Uh, this is a new event coming up in San Jose a couple Thursdays from now. 
Um, Bay Area Wealth Strategies. And this is all brand new stuff, all tied towards like real estate in the Bay Area, real estate versus stocks, stock options, things that are unique to California. Um, single people, married people, um, gay and lesbian couples, and what that may mean to um, your finances. So a lot of things are going to be talked about at this event. You can sign up for it at San Jose Airport, 4th Street, um, coming up Thursday, September 11th from 6.30 to 9, 6.30 to 9, um, coming up with some new ideas and new angles. Now, I've got an email recently that's probably worth bringing up, and it's from one of my long-term listeners. And she talked a little bit about uh, a seminar that she saw being marketed. And it's a two-hour seminar, and it's already over. It had a catchy sell, The Independent Woman. And it pisses her off. They're charging for $195. Financial information's out there. There's really good financial information. If you want some of the best, Kiplinger. K-I-P-L-I-N-G-E-R. They even write towards women. They write towards men. They write towards teens. They write towards boomers. They write towards millennials, whatever. Um, But the ads that make everything look like a magic bullet and everything will be so easy if you throw it on $495. Um, And then it goes things like, do you know some of your girlfriends would be left penniless? Being blind to their financial future? It's kind of insulting at times. Um, with that said, eh, it's okay. Like I, I get it. I get the angle, but you don't have to spend $495 to do it. There's a woman who touts whole life insurance as an investment angle. And this is funny. This guy, Oliver, emails me. He goes, is dividend paying whole life insurance a good idea? Pros and cons. And I go, whole life insurance is an awful product. I'd avoid it. I'd avoid the person trying to sell it to you. High commissions and fees are the main problems. If you live to expectancy 75-ish, you wouldn't want whole life insurance when you kick the bucket because you'll have assets. Term life insurance is incredibly cheap, and you're not likely to use it. So you're able to save the rest. This guy's fascinated because of the safe returns. The stock market's up. 200% 200% in the last five years. If he had this policy, he would be up roughly about 15%. Um, because the insurance company guarantees a certain payout, they're having to buy treasuries. They're having to buy securities um, tied towards safety. Uh, and it's typically U.S. government-issued securities, um, treasuries, yeah, bonds. So he goes again and asks me, even though I go, I don't know one person that they're appropriate for. Financial professionals buy term life and we invest the rest. I say, it's an awful product. I would avoid it in the person trying to sell it to you. And he asks me again. I'm tempted on taking on the policy. He's just an idiot. He's just financially stupid. He hears something that he wants to hear in a sales pitch from a very slimy person, and he wants to go forward with it. It's tragic. Um, Again, you could talk about so many things that are are wrong with the product. I'll just stick with fees and commissions. After-tax dollars versus pre-tax dollars. I'll say, sure, you limit your downside, but you could do that yourself. If you want, you know, secure dividend paying, go out and buy some treasuries. 
that's the same thing they're going to be doing. And invest the rest. And if you want to get some debt, some you know fairly safe debt, I have no problem with that. Um, it's just tragic. Um, and you'll see that these people like tell, like best-selling books, and then it's not a best-selling book. You know, the publisher is a Vanity Press publisher. It's not you know a legit big publishing company, and people aren't really buying books anymore. Uh, so you need to be very, very cautious. And you'll see some of these people on PBS where they spend an enormous amount of money to, to buy their way into PBS. And they say things like, take out a, a loan on your house and put it into this whole life policy and you'll pay yourself and you can take out a loan against yourself. And that's a horrible thing to do. The cost of money isn't that expensive out there. You don't have to lend it to yourself. It's not like you're taking out a, a, a loan to buy a house at 17, 18%. Um, put the risk on the bank, not on you. Put the risk on the bank, not on your future. So whole life and variable life policies, I hate them. For 99% of people. Me, let's say I'm part of that 1%. I'm really super wealthy, okay? And I want my family to get my wealth when I pass. But there's this big estate tax. So what I could do is I could give it all to Stanford University and have them buy a whole life policy on me. They pay the premiums until I die. And then when I do die, they get all my assets. They're happy. Family's happy. Um... I just uh, I insurance people selling variable annuities and whole whole life policies they really piss me off and it's kind of sad and it's kind of tragic and I can't make a case for them at all. So if your financial planner is, is put those in front of you, he's oversold them because he's getting big fat commissions from you, and you're just financially stupid for signing it and not understanding what you're signing. Most people don't read contracts when they sign a car or a house, so I, I get it. We don't like reading legal things. Think of it coming up soon in San Jose. You can sign up for the event tied towards Bay Area Wealth Strategy September 11th at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 